0: Welcome, everybody, to the Church in the Wild podcast. We've got a good episode on hand for you today that I'm really looking forward to. I am having a conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tory Campbell. Those of you that do not know Tori, Tori and I's story goes a long way back, and you'll hear more about that in a moment. He was the campus minister at Oregon State University when I first became a student, and he was among the first people uh, at the church that I now lead, that I first met from that church. And uh, so he and I have built a friendship, and uh, he's uh, discipled me, ministered to me in all kinds of levels, and, um, and uh, so we are going to talk a little bit about that story, that history, and uh, I'm excited for you to get a chance to get to know this man and, uh, and how awesome that he is. So, Tori Campbell, you ready to do this? Let's do it. I was telling him right before you press record, man, this is, a, this is a golden voice for radio that you got, man. You might get yourself a gig out of this. I'll, this might be a side hustle I need to start doing. Huh? See what I'm saying, everybody? <laughs> the more you talk, people are going to like it. you know? Tori Vandross <laughs> up in this piece. You know what I mean? Uh, this is good stuff. Tori, you and I go a long ways back. We go all the way back to 1998. 98. 1998. I was a freshman yep. at Oregon State University. I was living in Finley Hall, one of the dorms. Wellness Hall. Yep. It was the Wellness Hall. <laughs> Somehow people managed to still get drunk. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Quite liberally. But it was (laughs) supposed to be a wellness hall. Yep. Um, So I'm not sure what that meant. But um, that's where I first met you Mm -hmm. was uh, in my dorm room. And uh, so I figured we'll just start there and then talk a little bit about kind of where that all came from. But what do you remember about the day that we met? Uh,
1: So the day that we met, um, I was a junior. Uh, at Oregon State. And that year was the first year uh, that uh, my wife, Roxanna, at that time was my girlfriend. We took over the campus ministry and we were preparing to have uh, a great friend of mine, obviously yours as well. Daryl Flowers was coming back into town uh, as he would uh, periodically and uh, to do ministry. And Mm -hmm. he was like, all right. And he obviously, he was a former uh, basketball player there. So always had a a desire to reach athletes. He Mm -hmm. connected with them. He's like, okay, I'm coming. I need you to get guys, uh, get some ladies to get together. We're gonna to meet at, uh, I think it was Papa's Pizza. It was Papa's
0: Pizza. Out there for all you Caballos people out there.
1: <laughs> I'm putting Papa Pizza on the map. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And, um, and he's like, go find people. And so I'm like, okay. And that's what I started doing. I knew, well, honestly, the Finley Hall was the
0: wellness hall, and they had a lot of the athletes there. Yeah, that's where yeah, a bunch of football players stayed. For, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, you're right.
1: And so there were a couple cats that I knew that lived in the, the residence halls or the dorms. And so I just went, on, went to them to knock on their door to invite them. And I can't remember what, what floor was on. I think there was like five or six floors. Um, but it was one the, the floor that I went to. I knocked on a couple doors, and I talked to those guys. And there were, a couple of them weren't there. And the ones that were there, they're like, no, nah, I'm good, dog. I don't, I don't want to go. And so I was like, okay. Well, I think I've done what I was supposed to do for Daryl. So I can at least say, hey, D, I did what you asked. I did reach out. At least right. to the wellness hall. I mean, that's the best place to go fishing <laughs> for athletes. Yep. And I um, and also felt like, okay, God, I'm, I'm being obedient. You know, I'm kind of making a fool of myself. Uh, a lot of rejection therapy is happening right now. Rejection <laughs> therapy, you know. <laughs> and then I asked the guys, like, is there anybody else on the floor? Right. And I, I never right. forget that because they were like, oh, yeah, there's this one dude down the way. Um, he might be there. He might not. But he does, you know, he's maybe five or six rooms down. I was, I was
0: way at the end of the hall. Like, I mean, it was yeah. about the
1: farthest way you could be. I was right
0: next to the stairs. Yeah. yeah. The, the exit. Yeah.
1: And honestly, I do remember there was a moment where I'm like, no one's watching me. Uh, I was getting compensated, but not a ton. I've done what I've been asked to do by Daryl. Um, I feel like I've done anything to do. Let me go. I've kind of been rejected a few times, Mm -hmm. look like a fool. I'm like, well, let me go down there and see. This is a complete stranger. And I remember walking the hall and it was a little bit of like, and I'm not trying to like play this out, but I do remember as a junior, just let me go see. And I knocked on his door and I'm like, man, okay, what's this, what's going to happen here? And then your face showed up. Yep. And I remember at that moment, I'm like, okay, don't be weird. But he has no idea what I'm inviting him to. I'm inviting him to a meeting with, yes, a former Oregon State athlete. I know you were from Corvallis. And there was a chance you would have known who Dara was because that was during the time where the Beavers were really yeah.
0: exceptional at basketball. Yep. When I was a little kid. Yeah, and I would go to and basketball you were young. Games, yeah.
1: But yeah. other than that, it was about matters of faith and spirituality. You can't get – you can't divert any weirder fast than that. You know, it's like nope. – you know, hey, want to learn? There's a guy who used to play basketball here. He's gonna talk about God. It's like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but I'm like, nope, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think in that moment, I thought, how can I be real and like authentic and not be weird, but also be very intentional? Like, I I wanted to invite you out to this meeting. Mm-hmm. And I want I, there's a bunch of things I can't fully remember, so you have to tell the other side. But I remember like trying to like. Oh, I
0: got the other side, don't you? Worry I'm about like trying that. to drum up stuff to
1: talk <laughs> about because you know you can only invite. That takes like two seconds. And I remember seeing it was a vacuum cleaner you had in your room. Yep. And I want to say you were about to shut the door. And I, I don't know if I stuck my foot in, but I, I felt like I was trying to still, like, engage. And I'm like, oh, that's a vacuum. You, you know, you you vacuuming. That's cool. And you're like,
0: yeah. like. <laughs> you know, that just, well, to be fair, there was not a lot of people that vacuumed in their dorm room. That's true. That, yep. So that was remarkable. I was a little weird with that.
1: But that was the moment where I'm like, okay, I got to keep this going with this guy. I have no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like, so... And I start asking questions about your yeah. life and sharing more. Mm-hmm. And they were all unsolicited. You were not asking any of those things yeah. about me. Let's yep. keep that in mind. Yep. And that was it. And I think I was like, if I can keep him engaged for a little while longer, maybe yeah. the invitation plus would be like, that dude was all right. I'll come. And then if, if you were to come, I was hoping you would see me and we'd remember, oh, yeah, we had this conversation.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> So the, the knock came on the door as I was vacuum, vacuuming my dorm room, getting it neat and tidy. And I open the door, and I see this black guy with glasses. And instantly, when you are in Corvallis you know, and playing on the football team, you assume like you know, anyone of color is a teammate, mm-hmm. but it's like, that I don't recognize him. You know what I mean? <laughs> so why is he? Did he get the wrong room? Like, what is, what's going on here? And, uh, and then you started talking to me. And I do remember that, uh, I don't know if you invited yourself in, but you just waltzed I, up I, into my I, room. I, I just got in there. You, wa- you came into my room. Yep. And uh, I wasn't, like, opposed to it, but I was like, all right, this is happening. And all that I remember is you started talking about your family's barbecue restaurant that you, that you owned. And so we talked about barbecue a little bit. And, uh, and then you brought up this pizza thing at Papa's. And there's all these kind of weird moments that kind of come together, like the you know streams of a river all co- you know kind of converging in one place, and you know the backstory from from my side of the thing was, a I came to college uh, feeling um, relationally and socially kind of awkward. Uh, because I wasn't someone that was wanting to get drunk or just chase girls. That wasn't really my, my thing, but I was definitely not into God. I, I didn't grow up in church at all. I didn't believe necessarily in God. Um, I didn't have anything against the whole religion thing, but I just wasn't me. But I kind of knew that if I wanted to find friends, I had a much better odds of potentially finding people who were Christian or religious um, because maybe their lifestyle would line up a little bit closer mm-hmm. than mine. And so I had already been curious about what Bible studies or church or just... Where am I going to find people that you know I'm not going to have to get drunk with, basically? Mm-hmm. And so when you showed up and you invited me to this pizza thing, and it was for athletes, I was like, well, well this is it. I mean, sure. It was kind of a why not sort of suggestion. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I could tell it was kind of awkward, but there was also just a compelling thing of like... This is a stranger that's like wants me to come to his thing, and uh, it just it felt like also like in a good way surprising. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, like this guy's really going out of his way. Mm-hmm. This is not a convenient thing for him. This I could tell this was costing you something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't describe it in the moment, but yep. you you can you can realize in hindsight kind of how it felt. So I knew that this was this was a big deal. You know that it that it mattered in some some type of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I said yes. And more importantly, as you and I both know in ministry, yeah, you, you should yeah, and I yeah. actually showed, showed up. <laughs> <laughs> up. That's right. Exactly. And I actually showed up yep. and I came to hear this dude, uh, former basketball player, um, wearing a very fancy sweater. I remember yep. Yep. he was a fashionista of sorts. Yep. Um,
1: and I thought he, I think he even talked less around like spiritual matters. I think he talked around like
0: character or something yeah, like that.
1: That's uh, right. It was like a Even I'm in the room like, that's a different topic. You never talk about stuff like that. Yeah,
0: he called out like three or four professional athletes that all had multiple kids by multiple women, Mm -hmm. like arrest records, criminal records, but that claimed to be Christian. Mm -hmm. And he just talked about the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. among particularly Christian athletes, Mm -hmm. how they use it as kind of like a superstitious crutch, but they really don't live the life. Um, And there was really nothing about you know, what it meant to be a Christian or anything about God specifically. It was really just about the just extreme lack of character mm-hmm. in sports. And it just so happened based on the makeup of the Oregon State football team that, that it resonated. It was, it was applicable. <laughs> it was extremely applicable. Yep. I could see it. Yep. And even from my vantage point, like I'd been a lot of, around a lot of guys that wore the what would Jesus do bracelets or cross necklaces, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or even had um you know religious tattoos you know scripture verses or crosses or the Mm -hmm. praying hands or something like that and these are some of the most foul human beings that i ever so in my mind there was never meaningful connection Mm -hmm. that if someone you know claims to be a christian that that means anything to their life Mm -hmm. you know i didn't i didn't give that any way to credibility it's just oh it's just some something you you're doing you know Mm -hmm. out of some kind of desire to maybe have god bless you or help you fine that's up to you but i never connected the dots that a christian should actually be like -like. Mm christ-like you know i wouldn't have said christ-like then but should actually be anything more that actually should be consistent in their character you know that that wasn't anything so when i heard him speak um a it resonated it resonated with the person that i wanted to to become um and uh it just was kind of a little bit of a hook to to get me in further and sure enough I started going to your uh, little Bible study, mm-hmm. following up on that. Yep. And I, I would say, looking back, admittedly, I do remember that conversation, and I
1: felt like it was like odd for for him. I'm like, I, that's...
0: It's not normal, Daryl. not you, man. He normally doesn't hold back or no, pull punches. No, He normally just tells you all about Jesus, punches you in the mouth with it. Yeah. And I almost felt like, well, that's a bust. <laughs> gonna,
1: no one's going to like, there's nothing going to happen out of this. Yeah. What's, what could possibly come out of this? And... And then I remember you said, oh, I, let's stay engaged. And I'm like, this this guy, this re- meant something to him. Inter-. And so I think even from that standpoint alone, looking back, you were a very different person, like who I was just yeah. engaging with yeah. and their life story, mm-hmm. right? You were, you were local. You were from Corvallis. Yep. You came from a family home where religion was not a, an integral part at all. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean your parents weren't necessarily opposed to you pursuing it, but... They didn't. They didn't set a table for you. There was to, no encouragement. There was for no it. encouragement yeah. for, it. and mm-hmm. that was all of that was in and of itself was very different. Mm-hmm. And you were hooked on this thing about like character and the quality of one's, in the integrity of one's life needs to match up with what they say. And it was just weird, man. I'm like, all right, this guy's different. Yeah. And not in a bad way. It was it was refreshing, but it was definitely something that was unique about that experience.
0: It's weird to not think about this super narcissistically, mm-hmm. but it just really feels like in hindsight, like God had like me in his crosshairs, you know what I mean? That there was a bullseye on my heart, so to speak. Yep. Uh, because all of this, like I am I can now put myself 100% in your shoes. Mm-hmm. And if I think about A, the interaction in the dorms, mm-hmm. uh, A, I would have given up long before <laughs> you would have gotten to my room. I know that for sure. You were a brave and bold man. Um, and B, like if I had... Brought in a guest speaker that's supposed to be doing some heavy lifting for you, mm-hmm. getting people closer to the place of decision, mm-hmm. you know, drawing them in further, and then they come drop a message like Daryl dropped. I would have been mad, you know, <laughs> figuring it was a total waste of time, and yet somehow, mysteriously, it was the perfect mix of formula yeah and I mean and me. and as you talked
1: about, like moving forward, every encounter was like that it it was. In the in the simplest of ways it was very little heavy lifting it was you were already prepared in so many ways yeah. every meeting I'll, I'll remember you were like okay cool and it was almost like what's next tell me more there wasn't a ton of um like heavy-handed persuasion mm-hmm. like you're you're a man of thought and mm-hmm. you, you didn't want to con- consider what yeah, was I being had questions shared. yeah you had questions but uh, there was a real like openness to it in yeah. a way that before I feel like it wasn't coercion, but you know you had to lean on people and you sure. cajole them totally. and coddle them and like come on man, this is you know you need this and this is something that's important. Yeah. Sometimes
0: it, ministry, just especially campus ministry, youth ministry, you yeah. feel like you're just badgering people to do the event <laughs> or, yes. or do the program yeah. or just get through it. Yep. You know, um, yeah, and there wasn't a lot of that at mm-hmm. all. Um, and I remember showing up to. To you know the Bible studies, and I'm I'm literally hearing the gospel mm-hmm. for the first time, and I'm hearing yep. biblical verses and thoughts and ideas for the first time. And uh, so there's I remember there being guys who were falling asleep, you know, mm-hmm. near so in it because just uh, I heard this a million times, just going through the motions, and I'm sitting there transfixed on when it. No question. Um, and I remember just you know talking late and even having parking lot conversations mm-hmm. on the way out, yep. and lots of questions. And uh, I still remember, this is a very, very clear moment in my soul, uh, where it seems like just, I think the Spirit is constantly working, but it's just, there's these moments where it's almost like He shows His hand, and you just get a sense of it, and you don't always, I didn't know what to describe it at the time, because I had no idea who the Holy Spirit was, or what the Holy Spirit was, or anything like that, but I can look back now, and there's this moment of talking with you in the parking lot, and I asked you some question, it was probably like a, why does God let good things happen, or bad things happen to good people, sort of, of a question, something pretty common. And I don't even remember the answer that you gave, but I just remember while you were talking, I just had the thought, trust this man. Hmm. Trust him. Trust him. And I didn't know you very well, mm-hmm. like you were, you know what I mean? Yep. I've been to one pizza event and then this. Yep. And I just remember this thought came in my head and it was one of those thoughts like this is not my thought. Don't <laughs> like I don't, why would I, what, why would man, I I'm trust him? not
1: trustworthy, man. Come on. I don't I'm, know. I'm why just, would I? No, it's real like, talk. Why, like, why would on, I trust anyone that i On matters like this. Yes. On faith, spirituality. Clearly. Then you mix in this eternity dynamic to it. And you're like, okay, this is heavy stuff I'm
0: considering. But I, there's a couple of things that I knew leaned in. A, you took the step to intentionally engage me. Mm-hmm. Like you made that step. And it was a courageous step. And, uh, like on the football team, it was highly segregated, mm-hmm. uh, black, white. Uh, it's yep. not like guys were fighting or yelling at each other, or saying slurs to each other or anything like that. But it was a known kind of way in which you engaged. Yeah, the guys didn't hang out together, right. you know what I mean? Yep. They'd be cordial with each other yep. until it came to fighting over which music to play in the locker room, you know, <laughs> Tupac or Tim McGraw, you know? Like that was a literal thing. Yep. Um, but other than that, it was just kind of you went your separate ways, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so th- the fact that you reached to me it all of a sudden meant something heightened because i realized that wasn't natural i kind of mm-hmm. naively assumed growing up in corvallis uh, i mean i had you know black friends playing in sports and so forth like it's just kind of natural but it, i realized how not natural it really is mm-hmm. in many places in many contexts especially for me at that time mm-hmm. and that you were doing that it mattered and somehow some way i just knew i was supposed to trust you mm-hmm. and i think i i think i might have said something like that I think I, I, I might have I vaguely
1: like, remember, but I—that sounds a, like a conversation that that obviously you experienced it. I'm trying to reflect on it, but there were those moments. I wouldn't be surprised that a statement like that came because yeah. it, it was weird. It was just, it was a very um, kind of glove fit the hand moment, yeah, in a way that. I mean, we I, we. I was, I was like, grinding. I'm out there. I mean, I had lists of names and guys, that I'm cutting hair, and I'm serving, and we're connecting. And yeah. it was always, you know, no, 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 maybe later. Let me think about it. Can you can you pray for me now? I think got somebody pregnant. Oh, no, she's not pregnant. I'm cool. I'm going to come back yeah, to church. See <laughs> you later. <laughs> see you later. And then you were like, yeah. I'm here again. Tell me more. Interesting. Well, let me think about that. Okay, I'm here again, you know. Yeah, and, right. And um, even the Bible says, I think they were at night, they the were Memorial at 9, 9 p.m. Yeah, 9 p.m. at the Memorial Union, so it was very inconvenient. Yep. Yep. You'd show up. But let, it's the only time an athlete could come because they were busy that's all right day. And, and you were like, let's talk. And so, um, yeah, I, that was a
0: really that was a unique situation for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was. Now, that relationship actually continued for a year, mm-hmm. for a full year of a lot of questions. I yeah. eventually started popping into church yep. every now and again. Um, and you had also been going to other places too. I had. Some of my roommates were going to churches out of the spot. Yep. So I was just kind of checking, checking things out checking, a little checking bit. Out. And yep. uh, yeah, church was very awkward. Mm-hmm. I much more enjoyed going to Bible studies, and, get it, but going and like the whole singing in public mm-hmm. together, raising your hands yep. arbitrarily. <laughs> like,. <laughs> Does, when does everyone know to do this all together did, did everyone is there some prompt i'm not seeing
1: You're like I missed a powerpoint i didn't see it you know My like t v
0: shows have the applause signs <laughs> is it like a lift hands like button somewhere someone push why is everyone doing this oh, everyone has their eyes closed and raising their hands at the same time. What note did I not get anyway yeah it's i so vivid experiences that were they were pretty pretty awkward um but I was um, learning a lot, and then I was able to process a lot with you specifically, just a lot of questions, uh, for about a year. And then as life happens, um, I think systematically, just all kinds of things started kind of unraveling in my life, uh, or, or unfolding and kind of revelation. Um, you know, there's different ways that people try to describe it. Kind of the light goes on, you know. So you kind of like, oh wow, you start realizing it. But I, I remember I had a few key moments. One was with uh, my roommates. One was with my Um, she would be, she was my friend at the time, but my, my wife now, where I remember they were asking me a question about God and I wasn't a Christian or anything, uh, but I was just learning about God. And I remember having these moments where I would say like, yeah, I think it's starting to make sense. Or yeah, like, I think there there really is a God. This is really seems, Hmm. I don't know why. And I remember having those moments where I would get these tingling sensations that would start like... Going down from my head, like all through my body, as I was saying this stuff, I think this is might be real. I think this could be, and every time I was affirming anything Christian-wise, I started getting these physical sensations. What the heck is this? You know, no clue. You know what it is um, until one of my roommates said, like, I try to swing it. Like every time I talk about God positively, I get these feelings. You know, Uh, physical sensations. Not every time, but sometimes it. And, uh, and he says, well, I don't know, I've heard, there's like the Holy Spirit, like, <laughs> we really don't talk about it much in my church, but I've heard that maybe it can... And I was like, really? And I remember that was even a conversation mm-hmm. that would progress then, just mm-hmm. figuring out about the Holy Spirit. And of course, in hindsight, it was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. like, God was really at work at this thing Very much so. the whole time. Very much but so. one of my questions to you um, is, um, it's easy to look back and say like, oh, it was just, you did the bold move, it worked out well, you found a guy who... Uh was hungry. I'm sure I was frustrating with some of my questions at some point for sure. But um, you endured for like a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been easy at some times to just try to wanna pull the trigger and go for the hard sale, you know? Mm-hmm. And say, All right, dude, like pooper, get off the pot. You yeah. <laughs> like, what what are we doing here? You know? Are you wasting my time? Are you you know? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know that I was, you know, easy or not easy to kind of endure with, but what, what gives you that kind of patience?
1: Um I think at that point in my life and ministry relationships were really important. And I think that's what, in the sense of, yeah, there was this outcome I was hoping for and praying for and wanted to see happen, but there'd been enough kind of forced experiences where it was like, that's, that's not the end goal. Mm -hmm. That's not my job at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. It's to stay engaged with people, to be responsive, to care for them, like care for their, their person, mm-hmm. um, and also just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? So if I'm seeing, there were these conversations that, and interactions that you and I were having that I can tell this is very, not just out of the ordinary for who you were as a Corvallis person and and person that was white, that was a football player, but it was just the way in which you were interacting with this that I could, it became clear to me that something was afoot, mm-hmm. and I just needed to be patient, Yeah, um, and I just thank God for that, because that's not always the case. Typically, mm-hmm. you get excited, and you want to see something happen, you are anticipating that. When I open up my mouth, there's supposed to be a call and a response and boom, it's just supposed to happen. Yeah. And I feel like with you and and others in that season, it was also recognizing that things do take time. Yeah. And you just have to be mindful of that.
0: I do remember. I mean, there were other I wasn't the only person you ever reached, or mm-hmm. you know, obviously, I mean, you were very, very successful as a campus minister. In fact, in our campus ministry, you know, nationwide at the time, I think we had The largest, if not one of the largest Mm -hmm. in the country, I think certainly the largest on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Um, But there was a lot of people that did make sudden decisions, you know, that didn't always last and sometimes faded away. Um, But that seems to be the pressure of both youth and campus ministry, you know, because you have such tight windows Mm -hmm. to work with, and um, and then and then the turnover comes, and so it's a real tension. It is, and you also. I think then I'm a little younger in life too. So I'm also
1: always constantly wrestling with who is this for? Mm. Is it for me or is it it really God at the end of the day getting the glory for whatever transpires in your life? And so if it's for me, there's a tendency to want to push it, want to rush it so that even if I, if we're saying fish fishing, if I pull hard and it snaps, I can just be like, hey dog, t- y'all that was a big one on. <laughs> my, my line wasn't strong enough yeah, and everybody like, right. I did see the head come up, that was a big one. And we, just, and then we just celebrate, the, the, it almost was there when, yeah, sure. maybe if I would've just been patient yeah, and allowed God to continue to do. And I feel like that's what it was for, for you and that's what I was learning in that moment. And honestly, Trim, there was what, even as we started that conversation, all the things that had transpired were so, they were very different than what I was experiencing in yeah. other places. I would have been a fool to rush it because I knew that this was not me. It I, was progressing. It was moving. And and yeah. it wasn't and it wasn't any of the, the things that I had employed in the past necessarily. That I can say when I did this, I know this is the next step. It was like sure. this guy's coming out of nowhere. He can't. It was a weird knock on the door, and he's hungry. Like what? And yeah. he's engaged, and he's sincere. <clears throat> uh, I'm not trying to play like a Pollyannish type experience to it, but it was. You were and you were really uh, a clean slate. For all the things you just
0: mentioned, yeah, the sure, religious experiences, like, because that's a lot when you're reaching athletes. What know? question, especially Black athletes, yeah. at least in that time, you got to like, unpack um, their, their kind of their religious, their history. church background. Their re- yeah,
1: that's right. And so it was just very different. And so there was a, some, probably for me, and if I'm honest, I probably didn't know what to do other than let me take my time and not rush yeah. this one too. Right. Uh, if that makes sense. So
0: yeah, for sure. I, I think one of the things that you know, even about this conversation, I'm sure a lot of people can hear with it and resonate with it. You know, the idea of patience mm-hmm. and relationships Relationship and you know, really enduring over you know, over longer periods of time, and I, I I'm sure that can encourage and resonate with a lot of people. But what I think is unique about this angle of the relationship is the orientation I think of your of your gifting. Your ministry, I think, even of like our church and our ministry as a whole, is it it is a, a bit more of a fast paced yes. run and gun. That's right. Like, um, let's make something happen yesterday. Let's yes. do it. Come on, let's go. And and so it is a bit more quick. So this is a, a bit of a of a it's a bit of a leap mm-hmm. from what was the normal operating procedure. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that frustrates me is I hear a lot of people talk about the patience and you know stuff mm-hmm. that. The longevity, waiting for things to come, and that's all true, hundred percent. But I don't know if I meet a whole lot of people um, that would also have the boldness to do what you did, just to initiate that whole sequence of events, or the boldness at several points along the way. Because here's a fun fact: there actually came a point, uh, you know, what like nine months in or something like that, when uh, stuff did start to hit the fan in my in my soul, mm-hmm. and I I remember we met a university hero. For lunch over a sandwich and you rolled up in your like was it like a, a hoopty like a my day impala that i had <laughs> it was, huge. That thing was legit
1: man it, it was, was
0: lean. Like, it was a legit b it was huge <laughs> c it singularly caused global warming I <laughs> <laughs> but i remember i came to you as was like Tori, okay i think i'm done what what do i got to do you know what's uh, you know and i remember you took me to the patches of scripture Lord Jesus talked about counting the cost, mm-hmm. um, and you say uh, you need to think about this, mm-hmm. and I was just ready, mm-hmm. you know, to go. And you said, I remember that that had to take guts, mm-hmm. um, because I don't know. I think I could have rushed into something circumstantially mm-hmm. without really weighing and considering that this was this was a lifelong, everything-changing sort of decision. Yep. And it was that moment that really even, I don't know if that's orthodox, if that's in anyone's handbook yeah. <laughs> you know, to do that. But even that, yeah. um, what can you even kind of fathom what is prompting that, that line of thinking? Yeah, that's a, I do remember that conversation.
1: I don't know. I mean, I have to just chalk it up to the Holy Spirit, mm. you know, I mean, that because that's that moment. It's like it's in the boat. That's it. Let's pull it's it in, the bag. in. Yeah, it's it's a wrap. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah. let, let some line out. Yeah, I don't know. I, and yet at the same time, what I will say without making it feel like, well, of course, that's what I, that's the right thing to do. But again, thinking back, your sincerity, your, the thoughtfulness, and also what I I had experienced and seen through the time of ministry work with so many people is they make a hasty decision. Yes. Yep. And there's there is something about that. And yeah. I remember there was like this saying like. And it was true. They were like, if, if someone can talk you into it, yes. someone can talk you out. Yep. And I do remember at that point in time, that was a more common reality. Like we were going for like, the, I wouldn't say pressure, but it was like this kind of f- fever pitch, like make that decision, get it otherwise. And then cats would just wilt weeks, mm-hmm. months afterwards. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and again, It was
0: emotionalism sort of a thing.
1: Yeah, that's right. So for whatever reason... Again, I can't fully explain it because you're right. Yeah. But I do feel like that
0: was the appropriate thing to say at the time. Yeah. And it was odd. It was odd. I I think it was a really precocious moment, you know, mm-hmm. because I, you know, after being in, you know, occupational ministry for 15 years, I feel like I've been in ministry since day one of following Jesus, you know. Um, But I know now as a pastor, 100%, I use that all the time, not that exact verse or m- method per se, um, but... Um, just way more patient and cautious, mm-hmm. and whatever someone's reacting to in their life, mm-hmm. like giving it space so that it isn't just a ping pong thing that's gonna you know they're gonna just you know be able to fall back on it just a week later, yeah, but that it really is a quality decision coming from the right place um and I found that a lot of that has to do with just regulating my own anxiety, yes sir. that if I don't do something here and now to capitalize on this moment, this moment will be gone and mm-hmm. and it'll be lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, But sometimes the best thing you do as pastors is you keep people in their tension, Mm -hmm. hold people in that place, Mm -hmm. and don't just let them just press the escape valve super easily. So they they really do have to press into God, not just for the release of the pressure in their life, Mm -hmm. but they really seek God for God, you know? And get that clarity. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm making this for reasons that are above and beyond my
0: immediate circumstances. Because the circumstances will change. Without question. They'll eventually get better. Yep. Yeah, they'll eventually get better, and that is the pattern of the entire Old Testament. Of like, mm-hmm. times get hard, the crowd for God. Times get good, they totally forget them, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then eventually, times get hard again, they crowd, and they just go through that cycle. Yep. And I think if we're not careful, uh, as followers of Jesus, as ministers of the gospel, that we perpetuate that cycle if we just jump in too quickly to try to almost rescue people mm-hmm. um, when in fact we allow people to kind of remain in that tension because if they find God in those moments, it's a moment that can transcend their circumstance. Exactly. And I think it ends up being, you know, we talk a lot about how it's important in building team or any,
1: even like the buy-in, you mm-hmm. know, and so much of now like pop kind of psychology and thoughts is like, you got to get people to see themselves as vested in an idea for them to really take hold of that idea. Yeah, And I, it's true. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, and I feel like that moment of pause for you it removed it from being a thing that I'm doing this in part because Tori really used persuasive language or he's been, he hadn't steered me wrong yet. Yeah, right. So this decision makes sense and yeah. it really begins something that you owned. Yeah, And more importantly, I wouldn't even say you own. I feel like perhaps maybe even God was able to be more definitively the one saying, I am present in your life. Yeah. And that's the voice. That's the unction above and beyond any individual you'd want to have, particularly to start your yeah. relationship with him is for him to be clearly the one moving and and nudging you to consider these things even though he might be working through circumstances even though it might be working through individuals in my in that instance it was me and I felt like that was important but yeah looking back I don't I don't know you know but I think those when I when I do consider that I'm grateful that that it transpired in that way yeah and I also felt like you were a person that you were serious about it too like there wasn't yeah, I I do remember, like, there was a seriousness. I'm like, there's no reason for him to be thinking these things. There's no, like, religious kind of games he needs mm-hmm. to play to kind of massage his guilt mm-hmm. or to even impress me. Because mm-hmm. you like, like, you know. And so it was really, I wouldn't say completely pure, but it was devoid of a lot of those entrappings as mm-hmm. to why you were considering what you were considering. And so it just made sense to say, well, Trim, think about it. You yeah. Know, and let's talk.
0: Yeah. Campus ministry is a hard game, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, it's something that obviously was a big part of my journey, and it's a big part of the the church that I lead, big part of the movement that you and I have both uh, been in, the one that uh, I'm still serving in currently. Um, And uh, there's a lot of highs and lows, ups and downs, Mm -hmm. but as you look back, Tori, what are... I guess, what are some of the things that you look back on your experience in campus ministry, living in a college town like Corvallis Mm -hmm. for as long as you guys did, served Mm -hmm. as long as you guys did? Uh, What are the things you look back on? And that were, you know, what were the best parts about it? What were the most difficult parts about it? Yeah, I mean, looking
1: back, Corvallis was, we ended up living there for for 12 years. So five of those was a student, and the remaining um, doing campus ministry. And as a city, that had been. Up until that point, um, the place that I had lived the longest in my life. So just from that standpoint, as a kid who had traversed a lot of different homes and spaces, I think through high school, every two years, I went to a new school. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of movement in my life. So Corvallis just kind of represented stability. Mm, Um, So there was a lot of impact that Corvallis had on me just as as a young black man even though I was kind of like a piece of pepper and a salt shaker Dude, I
0: drop that line all the
1: time now. <laughs> Matter of fact, I remember some guy came up to me, black dude. He was like, he was new to town. He was like, man, I've been looking, trying to find the black ministers in town. And they said, you're it. <laughs> and it hit me. I'm like, for real? He was like, yeah. And I I, I, don't, I hadn't thought about it yeah. at the time. I'm like, dang, you know, so.
0: Yeah, you when we when you and Jason Harris <laughs> and other down in Corvallis, were on staff. The only
1: two. <laughs> it was me and Jay here On, on yep. staff in Corvallis.
0: Yep. And they were both in one spot.
1: Yeah. So, but I think kind of getting back to your question of what did that time mean and how did I just, you know, we stayed engaged. I I really enjoyed people and I enjoyed, for me it was as a student and even in ministry, it was a bit of dual purpose. Like it, I enjoyed, I was in politics, I was my major even as a young, you know,
0: that's right, you junior a high, yeah, high
1: school right. I was a student by the president. So I always enjoyed both the opportunity to shape shape culture, to create opportunities for people to engage and have fun. And just, I love seeing and moving people and being in that space. And so I, I did that. But then also ministry added a different kind of component to it. There was an eternal dynamic, and it was a way of helping to be restorative of people's um, broken and all of our kind of fractured and, and consistent lives. Yeah. Um, and there's something about the rhythm of college where you get every year kind of a, whether you want to call it a new badge, yeah, you, you, sure. you get a chance to, to to visit with a whole nother, you know, swath of young people who are eager to test their assumptions, uh, free themselves of their parents, you know, control. Right. And also just are deeply curious around life and the matters of, in this case, faith and spirituality. And that was always refreshing. And making um, huge life decisions. Big time yeah, life yeah. decisions. Mm-hmm. And it was always a real privilege to be in that space to not only just offer the gospel, but also offer friendship and mm-hmm. relationship mm-hmm. because there were people who um, we might've shared the gospel with or who were not open, but that didn't dismiss the fact that I still didn't engage with them and spend time with them and call right. them friends. And I felt like that was always important so that it wasn't always just the thing. Like mm-hmm. if you don't accept Jesus, that's my only interest in you Yeah, as a person. That was very short sighted. Yeah. You know, so...
0: Yeah, what got, uh yeah what did? what have you learned now because you and I both you hit 40 already yeah man Sheesh. 40 41 ancient come on <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'll be 39 here in just a couple weeks yeah um but yeah we're both we're both in that ball game now so we've got a little bit of distance to yeah. look back now and sometimes memory plays some tricks on you you know what yeah. I mean where you can forget a lot of the mundane, and they say that memory works in such a way where you you typically remember like the best parts yes. of a thing, um, but not the mundane, you know, yep. kind of parts of it. Yeah. So it's easy to nostalgize. Very much. Um, so. But just having a little bit different distance also gives you perspective. Yeah. So as you yeah. look back, uh, what are some of the great things that you learned, you know, in campus ministry or that you benefited from?
1: I think probably one of the ones I, that I learned and enjoyed the most was. Um Learning to make the most of wherever you're at and kind of creating that ecosystem mm-hmm. or whatever it is you you desire to see or and, and be just do it around you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and also to be to be okay and content with it being oftentimes very unassuming. So when I was in college, that was before the age of social media and Snapchat and Instagram and where you can kind of project a certain persona in life that's not truly reflective of what's going on, or you can have some really dope stuff happening. And dang it, nobody saw it. You yeah, know, so sure. and so and it was in a space like that where it was just just be you mm-hmm. and and be those things and create that environment. I think that that's something I remember of Corvallis, because Corvallis is it's off the highway, literally. It's yeah. you know, it's it's, it's, off the it's, beaten path. it's an additional several miles you have to drive to get to that sleepy town. Um, and in many ways I think people felt that way. Even within ministry context, we are numbers aren't everything, but it's oftentimes a sign of health. You know, it can and, be yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, and sure. Our numbers were growing, but no one ever knew, and that was okay. I wasn't tripping about that. I'm like, that's not. That, I wasn't in it for that. You mm-hmm. know, obviously, I'm a human and I got flesh. And I, but it's not that it was, not a part, but it wasn't a driving motivation for me. Yeah, to be seen and known. So I think that that's one thing I remember about Corvallis. I think the other thing I appreciated and learned about Corvallis is. Um, just appreciating people because mm-hmm. Corvallis brought, because it was a historic, like engineering, agriculture, it was had in terms of the studies that were there, business. It brought kids from all over the state of Oregon and obviously mm-hmm. outside of the state, but you had a lot of kids from small towns who would never engage with other folks of color or black folks in general. And so it was a unique, place just to be, yeah. to interact with so many different ways and worldviews and philosophies and just experiences. And so I, I grew, grew to appreciate that, even though at times it might have been frustrating or very isolating Yeah, to find that there were good people that would love you and could teach you some things too. Yeah, for and, sure. And vice versa.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, Yeah, no doubt. I feel like if there is, you know, one of the reasons I was excited to, to talk to you, because I feel like you know, some of the, just the lessons that I learned from you and that have really just kind of been instilled deeply in me. Um, you know, I get uh, I get asked sometimes, like, um, how do you, like, as a leader, create a culture of mission in your church? And uh, I, my, my answer is always like, well, it always goes down to, like, where does someone's, you know, where does mission begin for you? Like, where do Christians come from? And I feel like there's just a large operating assumption that um, Christians come when a Christian mommy and a Christian daddy really love each other and they make a Christian baby, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just this idea that Christian parents have Christian kids and that's how it goes, versus you preach the gospel to people that do not know Jesus. Mm-hmm. They believe the gospel, then get reconciled to Jesus. And then the idea that I became a Christian because someone else, a Christian, told me about Jesus mm-hmm. and then that was just natural to me. Mm-hmm. And so from day one, you know, I, I was already. I was already your sidekick, you know, and <laughs> now I was co leading, you know, your little Bible study <laughs> and trying to offer well I remember a year ago when I asked that question and this is what Tori said. Then let me regurgitate that for you. Where's
1: the book of Hezekiah again? Where's that? Everyone where's the why is where's the book of palms at, first <laughs> yeah, of all. There. And job, and job. Job. God, it's all about workforce development. You got to <laughs> the whole book on jobs. You know.
0: Yeah. So I I, uh, I think that that is one thing I've really appreciated, that I think it comes down to just taking a risk. Yeah. You got to take a risk. I think that's the fun part of ministry and mission, that you can crash and burn a thousand times, mm-hmm. but sometimes it just takes that one, two, three times. Yep and uh, it'll keep you coming back for more and yeah. it's super fun to see God work and i also think too to match that is as much as it feels it's about
1: you overcoming your fears yeah. what i've also learned in time is that so many more instances god is already preparing that person yes. so your yep. little quivering hey, hello yeah I, yeah it's totally. not it ain't it actually wasn't that hard cuz god had already prepared that person to be responsive to you in whatever way that was yeah and so it, it's the dynamic of it it's so both and. Yeah. You never came off
0: as insecure. In fact, just the opposite. It was like, holy cow, like I don't know if I'd ever have the guts to do what this guy (laughs) is doing right now. I can't believe he's doing this, but he's doing this and here we go.
1: And I think that stems from the belief that it was it was real. Like what I was doing was legit. Like I said it didn't it it had it come from a this is what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. and This is what I enjoy doing, and it was being called into something that was, uh, as we always say, it's bigger than yourself. But it was really something that also was grounding and core to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, this is how um, the kingdom of God will expand. Yeah. Is it's through word and deed, but too often it's just the deed that we
0: overemphasize, and it has yeah, gotta say be say deed, but really we just don't want the words. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you
1: know? and you do have to yeah. say, and even, and even learning that word doesn't mean like this weird on the corner oh, proclamation. Or or, or, yeah. yeah. It's totally. none of that, you know. It's conversational. It's, it's being authentic. It's being open. It's being even humble about your own inconsistencies and brokenness. Absolutely. There's so many different ways in which people understand, you know, who God is, right? I mean, it's, the Bible is littered with the failures and shortcomings of humanity. It's never. It was never about us propping ourselves up yeah. as much as it was us understanding the beauty and love of God, That despite that he still pursues us. And yeah. So I think that that has been a part of it. And that at that time, yeah, it was... It's not what you do, cause I wasn't being. You definitely ain't being cool when you stepping out, sharing no, your faith in that no. way, you know. Um, but some of my, I think for us, it was like in high school. That's where it came became real to me. That was like my real conversion moment in high mm-hmm. school. And I remember, remember definitively, there was a time where I chose to. I said, okay, God, I'm gonna follow with. You And I grew up all, in church all my life, so I'm I'm the opposite of you in that way. Um, but I remember the day I felt like this is gonna be it, and in the cafeteria. There was like my old homies I would hang out with, Mm -hmm. the jocks and all the girls. And it was cool. We were relatively cool at the time. And then there was a group of guys that were like in the Bible study who were just. Not that. Man, (laughs) everything but that. And I remember there was one day at lunch where I was in a chair and I was literally sliding back and forth, talking to both tables. Physically sliding back and forth. Trying to maintain a relationship in terms of identity in both those in, in the world. Mm-hmm. I remember the Holy Spirit, as I looked back, was like, you really have to choose. And I did. And I, and I remember when I slid back for the last time, like subsequent weeks later, all those other cats were like, how come you never hang out with us in the same way? And I had to proclaim my faith why I was making this decision. Mm. And I think that that cemented in me, like, if I'm going to do it, it even comes with the very real possibilities of being shunned or misunderstood, mm-hmm. but it was for the greater the greater good of what God was calling yeah. me into. And so that's kind of that marked the willingness to go down that kind of you know hall that seemed a little dark yeah. with the fluorescent light flickering. Like, oh, I ain't got nothing else to lose because yeah. I, I all my little cool points is out the window at this point yeah. in the game. And but there is something that could potentially happen that is of a different kind of transaction. Yeah, and seeing someone be curious about coming out to Papa's Pizza and. Hopefully, hearing a message that can change your life. Yeah, and that was about the simplest way I could look at it to move me to that. So,
0: I think that I, you know, I think a lot of people might resonate with this, but I look back on my relationship with God, and I can track kind of the significant moments of growth to something scary, Mm -hmm. like doing something beyond far beyond what's comfortable and making an active decision to do something that is that I'm, I'm scared of. And I think the idea that somehow faith doesn't, you know, involve any amount of fear or anxiety, like I just, just bring it with you, man, you mm-hmm. know, just take it with you and, yep. and go with it, go shaken and trembling and insecure as you need to go, but go, you know, go. Yep. take a risk and just see how good God is. And, and then, the best part is, like, I have plenty of stories now that don't work out. You had plenty of stories. That, and those just become the funny stories you get to tell in well, hindsight, anyway. You exactly. know what I mean? Those are the way the funny stories when you get guys <laughs> flipping you off and, you know, knocking the clipboard out of your hand yeah. and, like, you know, whatever else it is, you know. But it's not that bad. I would say the, the second thing here is, uh, you know, the first thing is, I, you know, I just learned from you to take a risk. And that has been such a valuable thing for my life just to beat down the fear and and to, and to walk out in faith. I'd say secondly, it's just being legacy-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, just think about um, your life as being a part of a link, like a link in a chain, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the end-all, be-all. It feels like now more than ever, in um, the culture that you and I are in, it it is all about us. It is all about now, yeah. and it is all about extracting everything you can for this moment. All the pleasure, the best coffee, the mm-hmm. best food, the best food truck. You know, the best people, the best clothes, best style you know, the best filter for your Instagram, you know, everything is about maximizing life, like living your best life now kind of, a, kind of an idea. Um, but I you know, really appreciated from you, the idea of your life actually standing on the shoulders of something coming before you and providing a platform for those coming beyond you and mm-hmm. actually measuring even your success by not your own, but who you're able to help, you know, mm-hmm. progress along coming up coming up behind you.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I think that that comes from a variety of different places for me. Obviously, mm-hmm. Scripture speaks of that being a disciple, and Jesus is like, you know, that's your, that's what's going to happen. But for me, some of the early modeling was from even my own uh, family background. So mm-hmm. I, at that time, I was kind of third generation minister and pastor. Mm-hmm. So I already had this rich heritage that I ran from a lot of times, or misunderstood, or didn't really appreciate. The Jonah running away. Yeah, going, you know, I mean, like yeah. what's going on? But um, seeing my grandfather. You know, preaching, being in his church, and then my dad did it for a season, and so it, I understood like the value of like who I was was so much attributed to the faith that had been before me. But then the word discipleship came in, and it was like, okay, wow, okay, so th- you can help make other followers or people. You can pour out what you have, even if it's six months, whatever you got, yeah, yep. whatever. One chapter know? ahead, you and you know it, what? Yeah. Where where I actually start off? It was back in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had come to faith in the sense of like that was a seriousness in my junior year and me and a good friend at the time uh, his name was Mike and it was a couple other guys but Mike in particular and we started a Bible study and Mike was a freshman and I was a junior and the first year things were going we had like maybe 40 or 50 people come in Um, then the next year my senior year we got up to like 60 or 70 at lunchtime coming to a Bible study in high school I mean we were just we was was doing it you know, like we just (laughs) making it happen you know (laughs) Um, <laughs> and then I realized, uh-oh, I'm about to graduate. And this I want this to go beyond me. It needs yeah, to. Yeah. And, again, this is not It's like, oh, I, I, because I thought of this, I did this. But it literally was, okay, Mike, you and whoever else, we got to get this organized so you guys can maintain this. And so we would have Bible study on one day, and then, like, another day we would come. You'd have, like, Wednesday morning, a late start. And so we'd have, like, our leadership meetings then. And then we'd have leadership meetings on the weekends. And it was all around preparing them to take this over when I left. Mm-hmm. And I remember my freshman year in college, I would call back up and t- touch base with Mike and, how things going? It's good. And he would give me the numbers and <laughs> who came to faith. And so early on, I I saw, man, it, it is important to not just b- have cool things happen in the moment, but it is around ongoing, beyond you. Yeah, It got reinforced when Daryl moved on from leading the campus ministry, and I had really been able to walk with him for two years and learned a lot from him in the yeah. same way that you would say from you and I. And he was like, okay, you need to lead it. And it was very apparent that this was something that I was taking on that many others had already touched. And so just that value has always been such a, a part early on in kind of my spiritual formation that yeah. I look back and I'm so deeply appreciative. And yeah. now it's been... Uh, a decade and some change for you. I'm, I want to say this might be your 12th year you're moving into.
0: Yeah, be 12 of this being, summer. Yeah. being
1: mm-hmm. a senior pastor in, uh, in Grace City. And it's just, I mean, we were down this last Sunday. And it was, so, it was so profound. My wife, that was the first time she had been at Whiteside and saw the growth so, of the yeah. church. Mm-hmm. And so she's just tears in the mess. I had come back already before. Mm-hmm. And it's just a real deep satisfaction, far less around anything that I've done. Like far less around. It was just more of, I love seeing God's manifold wisdom play out. Mm. That to me is so satisfying. Like you are crazy. Mm. This is, that's what I was thinking in my mind. Like, this is what I love to live for. Like it was a wild journey. Yeah. And you, you saw it, you saw fit, you know, God, you sustained and you, and there was a lot of ups and downs and some crazy things that we didn't know why they were transpiring as they were. But, Yet God's manifold wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. of how you came into being the pastor and what has transpired. It was just, it's cool, you know. And I think that that helps me kind of getting back to that question you asked a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, well, why did you say go think about it? mm-hmm. It's that we all have to get to that place at some point where you got to say the fruit that we see has very little to do with any of our consternation and effort. <laughs> it's so much of what God has done and is doing, even while we're sleeping, even yep. while we're confused, yep. even while we are fearful like he's he's doing amazing things in and through our lives and also invites us to participate, so that to me around legacy uh I'm like it's it's cool, you yeah. know, and for me to be able to say it wasn't it didn't just start with me, and yep. in, now it's Seth it was like right. you got some like granddaddy in you, yep, you know what I'm saying, yeah, you got that old Pentecostal preacher in you, yeah, for sure. You may not know it, but some, I, of, those, some I, of those sayings I, and phrases was was him, you know, who right. grew up as a sharecropper in Texas. That's right. And got saved because I asked him the story. Well, when you, would you come to Faith, Granddad? And he was like, there was a an evangelist, a traveling evangelist. This is part of your heritage story, uh so. <laughs> um. He said there was a traveling evangelist that came through and he played a guitar and he invited all of us to come out to the cotton fields and he played a little music, and he preached the gospel. And as I think he might have been, 13, 14, he came to faith. Mm. In that moment, he was he he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as he would say, filled with the Holy Ghost, <laughs> with fire yeah. and no smoke. You know what I'm saying? i like, fire and no smoke. Yeah, I'm like, how you be fire and no smoke, <laughs> granddaddy? That's amazing. <laughs> you know? And then he goes into his house, and his parents were not really deeply religious. Mm-hmm. And he lays hands on them, and they instantly— get filled with the Holy Spirit and confess and come to Christ. And so that's that was like his birth. Uh, his faith was like through that's evangelism wild. and going into his house that wasn't really, they were nominally religious and being the guy that's like this little kid laying hands on his parents and they, I mean, and so he would tell me the stories. And he would later on say, I, mean, I, I went and womanized and I just went off from life. But then God brought me back, got healed mm-hmm. from tuberculosis, mm-hmm. which was like a death sentence at that point. Mm-hmm. So that's part of your legacy, man. You know, and I think that that's just beautiful. I mean, so then yeah, when, when right. you read scripture, and you say, you know, God, as they always talk about, He's a God of three generations. You know, yeah,
0: Abraham, Isaac, Jacob.
1: Mm-hmm. It's real, man.
0: And that, yeah, and even how Paul connects that back in to say that Gentiles now have been included in that mm-hmm. heritage that was not their biological familial yeah. heritage, but now it is theirs in Christ. Yeah, I've actually dropped that line on the church, like. Y'all don't know this, but the man you see, you think is preaching to you right now is actually just the manifestation of at least two to three black <laughs> preachers that have shaped me and formed me for better, or for worse. You It's know? true. So, and uh, it's true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And what's crazy, because I think just since we're on the point of history, because you, and you'll know where I'm going to go with this one, is my grandfather grew up, it, that was during the Pentecostal movement within black churches, which is um, started in the Zouza Street Revival out mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah, And I think it was... William Seymour, I think is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, Somehow encountered the Holy Spirit in such a way where he had like a box over his head or something like really crazy where he didn't want it to be about him. And that spurred this new wave of people in really encountering the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity in a fresh way at that time. And it swept through the country and all kinds of revival and people coming to faith, both black, white, and all the rest. Yep. But then in that dynamic, there was also, it was still a country that was very segregated and rooted in racist practices. And mm-hmm. so at that time, although you had, as an example, black and white coming to faith doing this unique experience of encountering the Holy Spirit, they had to also wrestle with the, the challenges of the day. Mm-hmm. And out of that moment, one of the major splits that took place to appease the kind of the, the nomenclature of the day mm-hmm. of racism was the assemblies of God. They spoke broke off the assemblies of God. And then the Church Church of God God in Christ, Christ, you know. And so uh, for those who don't know, the symbols of God ended up being more of the Mm white-oriented expression of this new Pentecostal
0: experience. So so it was even... And the Church of God in Christ was the black. Was the black, you know. And then many years later, they actually had like a reconciliatory kind of moment together, washed each other's feet or something like that on stage, you know. But it's still largely... Yeah, segregated you know, in that still way. Still largely segregated.
1: So here's great It was crazy when you th- kind of go down. If you want to look at lineage and say somehow my grandfather was impacted by that movement, yeah, and pastured in that, which h- was a huge shaping place for me early on. And then here I come to present to you, you know, Lily White Corvallis and who you are, Lily White, and your 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 background. Yeah, it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, my my uh, uh, great grandfather mm-hmm. was part of the KKK, in mm-hmm. um, and, in. And, um, I, uh, I've, I've been f- assured by family members that, uh, well, don't worry, there weren't actually any minorities anywhere near me. <laughs> they were farmers, you know. Hence, they were successful. Up in Michigan, you know, like, I, I guess so. Like, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that. <laughs> like, just, of course, that's what uh, this
1: fear and terror, that's what their job yeah, was. Yeah, it
0: actually is, is, is really kind of weird kind of parsing that out and, you know, what people are thinking, you know, and, and what's going on. But the redemptive nature of that, that's, you know. That's right. And and now who I've come to be, and uh, you know, you bring up this thing of like this Azusa Street revival when it was reported in the newspapers. I mean, that was actually among the headlines that came out. That's was right. like, yeah, some crazy religious revival sparking out. But the real shock here is that the blacks and whites are intermingling in all kinds mm-hmm. of, you know, inappropriate fashions. You mm-hmm. know, and mm-hmm. it, it's it always seems um, when, even when you read scripture that that God's spirit one of his primary agendas is 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 reconciliation. Yep. You know. Yep and bridging very painful divides yep. you know, at times, whether it's internationally or even uh, intranationally you know, mm-hmm. um, with some of the stories here. So I, I've, uh, it's been really cool. I remember um, one of the last events we got to do together uh, in campus ministry in, in your final days. We did an event called Black Church, White Church. I remember that. And uh, it was a dialogue thing. where the, it wasn't just one speaker, but both of us would be up there. And we did prearrange it, so we both speak for maybe two to three minutes at a time, kind of back and forth, volleying mm-hmm. ideas and thoughts mm-hmm. and even asking questions back and forth um, in front of a very diverse crowd. Yep. In fact, most probably the black students in, on, on the Oregon State campus yep. you know, turned out for it. Um, and uh, it always seems like that... Um, There's always something bigger going on in those moments. You know, you think it's just about going down the dorm room hall and just Mm -hmm. reaching a guy, and it's just ministry as usual, but there is bigger stories beyond you playing out. There is a legacy that's developing and even being redeemed uh, through it all that you don't always get to see in hindsight, and that's just... You and I at our stage of life now, and I'm sure even, even more so in 10 to 20 years, we'll be able to see it. But if you're listening to this and you're under 30, you know, or you're in your teens or or wherever you're at in your life, there's just a good chance that God is doing something incredible, but you may not know it for a while. So mm-hmm. you just got to trust the process. Stay faithful, take a risk, invest in legacy, see yourself as a part of something bigger than yourself and uh go love somebody. Yeah. Go and, disciple somebody. And and do the unassuming. Yeah. Be willing to serve. Yep. Be humble, ask questions. Yep. Yep. All of that. Dude, so much fun. Very much. So many memories. I know, man. I want to keep talking. but These people are like, man, when they be quiet,
1: please.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Tori Vandross has got that voice, man. (laughs) This is going to be the podcast to go to just when you need that, that deep level of soul comfort. Oh, you know? man. Uh, yeah, too much fun, Tori. I just want to thank you so much for your time. Obviously, thank you for your investment into my life. Um, but even what you've done and the legacy that you've left in Corvallis and beyond has just been astronomical. And I hope that people are just encouraged by this and, and go out and live out the gospel.